11th episode of Dialogue with Technician. I'm your host, Luke Perrin, news editor. And on today's episode, I sat down with Anaja Jones, the editor-in-chief of the Nubian Message. And here is my interview with Anaja. Enjoy. So Anaja, just tell me a little bit about yourself to start off. Um, as I'm in college, I'm going to begin with my major. Um, I'm in English uh, with creative writing. Started out in zoology, but organic chem happened. Um, I'm a senior, so I'm out of here in May, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, I like to write, like to read, don't enjoy parties. There you go. So how and why did you get involved with Nubian Message? I was kind of coerced into getting into the Nubian <laughs> Message, actually. Um, I have an advisor. I'm part of TRIO Student Support Services. Um, it's kind of for first-generation college students, or at least that's why I'm in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the advisors are like really hardcore, make sure you have the best possible NC State experience and all the resources you need kind of thing. So my advisor, she was like, oh, you're interested in writing? Great. Well, here's an email. I'm going to email uh, you a link to the Nubian Messages website. I think she emailed either Stephanie or Jillian and CC'd me an email and was just like, she'll be at your interest meeting that's happening this week. And I'm just like, am I? Okay. <laughs> I guess. Little did I know, neither of them had even like read the email by the time I got there, but I'm like, they're expecting me. I have to go. <laughs> so I went to one meeting and I saw just how fun and chill the vibe was. And I'm bad at making friends. I always say like, I don't make friends. Friends kind of just happen to me. So I'm just like, you know what? I'll stick around. And I really do like writing. So that's how I ended up at the Nubian. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the history of Nubian Message. How did it come about? Nubian has an interesting history. I've got a couple different versions of the story. Uh, we're actually planning to talk soon with people who are actually there Ooh. Uh, for our 25th anniversary uh, issue. Yes, that's a plug. And I was so, going to ask about that later. So perfect. <laughs> from what I've heard, um, allegedly wasn't there. Didn't read the article to know if it happened. The technician, um, we sort of had black community kind of had issues anyway with how the technician did coverage. Um, apparently... The word blacks was published in there, just sort of like the blacks and everyone was pissed, understandably. I've read the column. You're you're right in that. See, I want want to know what that column is because I just haven't gotten a chance to sit down and find it. uh, It's interesting. So there were burning technicians in the brickyard and finally Mm -hmm. they were like, you know what? Technician isn't going to do it right. We're going to have to do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, At first, there was no funding for the Nubian message at NC State. Uh, We were not part of student media. So um, Tony Williamson, who's the founder, and his staff published everything over in Durham at NC State Central. And then I guess brought them back here. They were distributed in tally. And after that, um, from what I understand, there was funding available and they were allowed to use the equipment here. Um, And now here we are, part of student media um, with a really close relationship with African American Cultural Center. So since you mentioned um, the special um, 25th um, birthday issue, can you like elaborate on that? Like any preview of what's going to be in there? Um, Okay. So we're mostly going to have, there's going to be a timeline of the Nubian message. Um, Some of our either favorite or most impactful or most amusing articles that we can find. There's this one article about how wonderful leggings are (laughs) that was published a couple years ago. And someone had meant Dr. Simpson had just mentioned it to me offhand. And I was just like, no, we did not publish something about like got on there. <laughs> and 
yes, indeed, we've got a whole article written by a dude about how wonderful it is when girls wear leggings. So I'm like, I have so many problems huh. with this. Um, so, but like, yeah, if you get on the NC uh, Nubian's website mm-hmm. and just put in the search bar leggings, it's by this guy named like Kareem. You'll find it, and it's hilarious. Um, we do better journalism now, <laughs> so that's that's like my low standard for opinion articles. If it's not the leggings one. We're doing okay. That's good. So for the 25th issue, that's going to be in there. Some sort of like, you know, fun highlights of uh, the Nubian's history. We're also going to sit down and talk to Dr. Tracy Ray, who was one of the uh, original members of the Nubian staff. She was here in 92, saw the whole thing go down, was a part of it, um, and have just talk with her about why she joined, what it meant to her, that kind of thing. We're also going to try and get a hold of Mama Thorpe. She retired recently, but, you know, she's still around, so... I want to talk to her basically for the same thing because she was around the whole time. She's actually listed in the paper as one of our elders. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at the bottom of the second page. It says it's only with the permission of our elders that we produce every issue of the newbie message. And she's one of them. So we're like, you know what? And then it gives us an excuse to give her hugs. So there's also that. Um, that's the only thing right now that's like set in stone um, is highlights a timeline and talking to them. We did get a lot of um, support from campus entities like um, OIED. I'm pretty sure Chas gave us uh, an article, not an article, um, an ad. We offered a discount for ads in the paper, and they're all kind of like, happy birthday, newbie and message uh, type things, which is basically funding the paper and the party. So that's going to be fun. (laughs) Yeah. So when does that issue come out? That's going to come out November 29th. So what is your favorite story that you've ever worked on? My favorite story for personal reasons is actually the first one that I ever wrote for the Nubian. Um, It was on a, I was also part of the poetry club. So a poem that one of the writers, uh, Will, the last name escapes me, um, but it's in the article so you can find that. Um, He was talking, he wrote a poem called, um, oh, was it In His Words? Something like that. But basically talking about how Dr. Martin Luther King is the only black king in our history books. So sort of how black history begins at slavery and then kind of peters off. And then it's sort of like, you know, Harriet Tubman happened and then Rosa Parks happened and then, oh, yeah, Obama happened. And that's kind of it. So the poem was just a really powerful poem and it spoke to me. So when I heard it, I was like, I talked to Stephanie and Jillian who were the editor in chief and managing editor at that time. And I was like, Hey, can I do a feature on a poem? And they were both like, go for it. But you know, you need to have like real sources, make it an actual news piece and not just, I think it's great. So it taught me a lot about how news writing works. Um, Taught me a lot about how anything like anything can be, newsable making that a word um it just has to impact a good number of people and because that's an opinion that's uh common sure that word uh, it's just a common opinion that there needs to be better more thorough uh education on black history not just in black history month but i think that's when that's when i joined the paper so that's i think it won in our black history month issue or somewhere around that time but it was just a lot of fun because i also do spoken word poetry so just to get to connect my love of writing and my love of poetry. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I want to do more stuff like that. So last year, um, 
I guess we can call it the group me incident. I oh guess that's, that's, the, that's the common like <laughs> that's how, yeah. reference to how people um, that's refer how to we it. Talk about um, that. You were a part of covering that. Yes. Um, and I, I was actually not a part of student media really at the time. So mm-hmm. I didn't get to see how that all went down from the inside. Um, so it was just an outsider perspective seeing it as just a student. Um, so walk me through um, what it was like to cover that. It's It was interesting because I was at home. It was like a Tuesday, Wednesday night, maybe. And we uh, we have our own group me where we, you know, anything going down with the staff. So my phone was like going off and I'm just like, what the heck is going on? I pick it up, look at the Nubian group me and Stephanie is like, guys, we need to be absolutely on this. Look what just happened. So we're looking at the screenshots and of course there's like rage because how people could say these things and think these things. It's like, you know, it's real because, you know, in history class to teach about the KKK, I've been called little N word so many times in my life by white people. It's not even funny. So especially living in the South, it's ridiculous. So to see that and have it be real on campus, you know, like the first feeling is shock and then there's some rage. It's like you have to go through all stages of grief. Um, and then once we hit that acceptance point, we were like laughing and joking about it because if we didn't, then we couldn't function. Um, so we figured out who was talking to who, and it was me, Stephanie, Keela, and Kenton. Um, Kenton, he contacted the people who was two of the guys who were actually in the group me. Um, I got to talk to Marcus, who was the black kid that they put in the group me, forgetting that they had said all this racist stuff. Um, and then also Tim Blair, I believe his name is. He's one of the heads of housing. And I asked him, you know, for, I mean, I know you're going to give me the university approved response for how you handle this. But also, how do you as a person feel knowing that this is happening in the dorms that you're in charge of? And he was just like, I'm shocked. I'm appalled. It's it's quite frankly disgusting. And I would, I mean, of course, I'm paraphrasing. But and then later on, he thanked me for asking him about him personally, which just goes to show that, you know, news, while we're supposed to give the facts, we're also supposed to talk about how it impacts the people, because if it didn't impact people, there'd be no point in it. But talking to Marcus was probably, um, I don't want to say the best part about that, because I really just wish it hadn't happened. But that was the most powerful part of it, I'll say, for me, because he was just so good about it. Like, he was like, you know, he was kind of mad, but not like rage, I'm a kill them all and these are all horrible people kind of thing. He's just like, you know, they said some messed up stuff that they shouldn't have said, but it just kind of just showed me who they are. And I think he ended up leaving Sullivan, which also sucked to me because it's like, wow, they're the ones who are making you feel um, unwanted, unsafe, uncomfortable. And you're the one who's leaving because free speech and we don't have a system to punish hate speech. Um, So it just it also highlighted a lot of flaws I think the funniest part of this, though, Kenton, when he talked to the guys, one of them said they'd meet with him. And then later on, just I they either didn't show up or just didn't meet with him. The other guy was basically like, we just don't want an article published. I, so I guess that's why he met with Kenton at all. He was like, we just we just don't want an article published. Um, yeah, exactly. It's like, that's not how journalism works. They're like, you know, we just don't want, um, you know, for future employers and things like that. That's what we're worried about mm-hmm. is what like those were his words. So Kenton let like Kenton let him know I'm recording and this is all on the record. And he was like, yeah, no, it's fine. I stand by what I said. And we're like, we could misconstrue that in so many different ways if we wanted to. 
I don't think that phrase made it into the paper because like we had to balance being black people who were personally hurt and offended by these statements, but then being journalists who are not allowed to have a bias, even though we're the black paper. So we kind of come with a bias anyway. So it's like being the African-American paper and then being African-Americans, there's a lot of bias already in this situation. So trying to put that to the side and just report the news um, was hard, but I honestly think we did a good job and it was picked up by Blavity. They are a national uh, African-American news source. So that was really cool. Um, so yeah, later on that night though, one of the guys had, uh, the guy that Kenton had talked to was just like, actually I changed my mind. I don't want my statements in there. And Kenton was just like, I, like he's like, I can't, it, it's out of my hands. I can't do anything about that. Not at all. So, and he was like, I have in writing where you said I stand by my statement. <laughs> so, sorry, kid. What do you think of the university's um, response to that since then? They have the, the BERT <laughs> team that they um, announced at that town hall. Right. Um, where everything kind of went down. Um, do you think it was enough? Do you think it was not enough? Um, I just, steps in the right direction? I think because we're a public university, nothing will ever be enough. Because there's federal federal funding involved. Um, and I don't know, some of our donors are probably members of the KKK because of where we are in the world. Um, so because of that, I know that there's only so much that NC State can do. And I know that as uh, like sort of like my logical professional mind is like, I understand First Amendment. There's you can't stop people from speaking, especially not in private spaces. But at the same time. I just the 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 whole there was like the the video that. Uh, Chancellor Woodson sent out it's like I knew exactly where the teleprompter was because he was staring at it the entire time I'm like you couldn't remember a two-minute speech to talk to I mean yeah sure black people are only six percent of NC State's population but that doesn't mean that we don't matter and that doesn't mean that we don't have feelings so for him to just he it just looked like he didn't care then everything that he said was sort of by the book policy statements and it was just it was disappointing to see that it was just felt like a confirmation that this university doesn't give a crap about us. Just, just, it just makes it feel like in the scope of things, the feelings of African-Americans of minorities don't matter because our country is set up in a way where they can't. So we can't punish hate speech. We can't, you know, it's for some reason, it's not okay to tell people you can't say things like that um, because we have to, protect white feelings is kind of just how that feels so like of course everyone is entitled to their feelings everyone is entitled to their opinions but some opinions kind of just suck <laughs> especially when those opinions when you can act in a way that can hurt people based off of those opinions so we were just I mean we were hoping for a stronger response even the apology that they wrote was crap it was like two sentences didn't really address the issue it kind of just addressed that they they were like we're sorry we hurt you Marcus and not we're sorry that we're racist. I wanted a, I wanted a stronger response, but I didn't expect a stronger. Mm -hmm. It's weird because there's, this is a slight tangent, but there's this class that I had to take when I was an incoming freshman in STEM that was basically, here's what being a minority in STEM is going to be like. Um, Dr. Simpson taught it. And I was like, it's like, it's the only class I've ever had where a majority of the people were black. Like, it was the only class where most other people looked like me. There was, like, one guy who looked white, but he was like, my mom is Peruvian? I guess that's why I'm in here. And we're like, okay. <laughs> but 
it, you know, and it like at first I was like, I don't need this class. It's a waste of time. Learned a lot of really good things. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like privilege exists. There you go. Then the fact that you're a minority is more than likely going to either affect you or perceptions of you. Here are ways to combat that. But I'm like, how come we don't have a class like that for everybody else? Because it's like, I know I'm a minority in STEM. And because I've been a minority my entire life, I might not understand how that's going to work in every aspect of my life, but I understand that it's going to have an effect. So why not teach the white kids what being a minority, like how that can have an effect? But I talked to Dr. Simpson about it. She was like, you know, that's something that would have to be like you'd have to completely rework the class, a lot of work to be done. But I'm like, if we could create workshops like that, and at least in situations like the Group Me incident, you could do like mandating that you go to some sort of uh, training or something. Like in the workplace, if you're accused of um, harassment, like sexual harassment or something, a lot of the times they have you go to a workshop. Whether it's BS or not, you still have to do it. So it's like in the real world, it's not okay to be overtly sexist or to be overtly racist so why is it okay at nc state if it's supposed to be preparing us for the real world and i know they implemented a policy for um, campus organizations um it's i don't know if it's like all 500 or whatever they Mm -hmm. are but like there's a certain select few um like i know members of student government have to attend like um i think it's two per year um of what they call like bias um Mm -hmm. training stuff like that so And it's like, I think that's great for organizations, especially student government, if they're going to be making decisions. But I mean, if there's just a way that that could be implemented to like, if you're coming to NC State, Mm -hmm. you're going to get some uh, how to rework your bias kind of training thing. Um, Because I just it's not going to make you a worse person. It can only make you better. And I just feel like that should be the goal of NC State as a university is to make sure that every student leaves better than they came in. This is always my absolute favorite question to ask, just because I love the responses I get to it. Uh, so who would you say is your biggest influence on your life and why? My biggest influence the biggest on influence life. in your life? I'm going to have to be cliche and say my mom. I'm going to have to do it. But for good and bad reasons. <laughs> Hope my mom doesn't listen to this podcast. But uh, good reasons. My mom is a spoken word poet. Um, and in that aspect, I mean, she's an amazing mom, but in that aspect, she's absolutely amazing performing seeing her perform and then getting to perform with her um has been huge for my confidence um just as like the fact that I can sit here on a mic and be comfortable knowing that people are going to hear my voice like my mom has created part of my personality just by being who she is it's possibly the strongest part of my personality but I think my mom also she encourages to be really independent really young which is great But at the same time, now I'm a little too independent. So, like, I don't really know how to ask other people to do things, which gets really stressful really fast. So, like, you know, in in good and bad ways, my mom has been the biggest influence on me just in that I can't ask for help, but I'm confident about it. So it's just it's, you know, I feel like your moms are like if ever if anyone ever goes to therapy, your mom is going to come up 10,000 times because. She's your mom and she's going to be the person who, you know, if your mom's in your life, she's one of the most important people, if not the most important person. So one of my favorite things always to read a Nubian message is the letter from the editor that y'all do um, on the first page. Um, just because I think it really, it humanizes you. Um, but at the at the same time, it also it's like previewing like, hey, this is what you're about to read. Right. Um, 
So what does that mean to you um, to have that as the first thing someone sees when they open up the cover and see, oh, letter from the editor? I love it. I, I really, really do. I mean, it's it's slight pressure because it's like, oh, God, I'm introducing the paper. Mm-hmm. Like you've got the cover and you've got me. So it's, you know, there's a certain amount of pressure there. But I also think for the Nubian, it's really important and really sentimental because Tony Williamson, our founder in the first issue of the Nubian, he stated, here is why the Nubian exists. Here's what we're going to accomplish with this. So I know the Nubian stopped doing it for a while, but then it came back just because somewhere along the way we realized again just how important it is. So sort of like formatting it the way that he did it is just, it's really cool. And then trying to write those, it's like, that's the last thing. Cause you're always like, oh yeah, psh, I can write the letter. It's only like 300 words max. I can write that in like five seconds. It's fine. But then like Tuesday night, end of production. I'm like, oh crap, haven't written the letter. I've been doing good these past two times though. But like, honestly, it just comes from whatever's happening. Like one time we were listening to the Cinderella soundtrack, the uh, version from the 90s with Brandy and Whitney Houston. And it it made it into my letter just because that's what was happening <laughs> yeah. at the time. Um, so they're a lot of fun to write. And I like that we do. And I just hope that maybe in the future, like, hold on. This week's episode of Dialogue with Technician was written, edited, and recorded by me, Luke Perrin. We record in WKNC Recording Studios in Witherspoon Student Center. If you have any questions, criticisms, praises of the podcast, let us know. Email Jonathan Carter, our editor-in-chief, at technician-editor at ncsu.edu. And as always, we'll see you next week.